because I've never seen anybody grow an avocado tree in their backyard in the middle of Tennessee. But they, they grow and reproduce of their own kind, right? Uh, Isaiah uh, calls God's word a seed. If you look at Isaiah 55, um, Jesus actually calls himself a seed. If you look at uh, John 12, he talks about how seed has to go into the ground and die. And then he talks about how he has to be buried and rise again. And, and so seeds are important. Seeds are actually, the concept of seeds are about connection and cooperation with God. Connection and cooperation with God. Because in life, really what we want is we want results. I'm a very results-oriented type person. If I don't get results of what I'm working on, I get highly frustrated. Uh, I'll have to take a step back and then address it again. Has anybody, anybody, ever, anybody ever done a jigsaw puzzle and realize that you're missing like three pieces? Ruins like your whole year, right? Right? Because you want results, you want to see the completion of the work that you've done. But the thing is, is to get results, you have to sow. To get results, you have to sow. I've never seen an apple tree grow that didn't begin at some point with an apple seed, right? So we have to sow today the results that we want tomorrow. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a key passage that the Bible has basically a parable. It's, it's actually called a meta parable. It's a parable about parables that Jesus gives about the parable of the sower. Now think of this as this, this entire message today. Think of it as the big introduction for this entire series because we're going to talk about multiplication and we're going to talk about momentum. We're going to talk about faith. How do you sow into your faith? How do you, how do you reap faith? Because here's what I, here's what I know, and I, and I know this. God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow if you are willing. If you're willing, God wants to come alongside of you and nurture you and grow you and to raise you up, grow in faith, to grow in, in strength, to grow in your spirit, to grow in your belief, to grow in all the disciplines that, that Jesus set before us. Amen to that. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Matthew 13. It's a pretty long, uh, pretty long verse, but bear with me, and we're going to read this. Uh, the words will be up on the screen. It's going to start in Matthew 1. It says this, On that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. So he's using the sea as a method of amplifying his voice, all right? So the crowd is out in the sea. Imagine like a little cove or a bay or something like that. There are, the crowds are all along the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He has pushed the boat out from the shore. He's stand, sitting in the boat, and he is, he's preaching from that boat, and he's using the water as amplification, right? In fact, if you, if you go to the Sea of Galilee and you stand on one side of the shore, you can hear the things that are happening on the other side of the shore. This is really, really interesting because the water acts as a, a conductor of, of, of the audible waves. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, 
it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Then the disciples came up and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it, is not have, it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, you will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, because they do see, I believe this about you, and your ears, because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path and the one sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distressed or, per when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let's pray. God, we love you. We worship you. I pray that you would anoint the reading of your word this morning. I pray, God, that you would anoint this message. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would speak through names, speak through me. Give me wisdom. Let me say whatever you want me to say. Keep me from saying anything you don't want me to say. And God, I pray that you would, for all of us, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears to receive what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As long as we have them, we have uh, booklets, guides, that look just like this, and they're going to be going along with this series. So if you want one of these, these will be available to you uh, after service. Uh, they're $1,000 a piece. Uh, so, no, sorry, they're free. They're, they're free. You've already paid for them uh, with, your, with your generous giving as it is. But they, they're going to walk through this series. It's a good way to follow along. And uh, what we're going to be doing is covering the first three chapters this morning. And what I want you to understand first about seeds uh, when we're looking at this whole idea, is this, that seeds have potential. I want you to look at the potential of seeds. There is a, a, a cavern up in Norway where they store hundreds and hundreds of thousands of varieties of seeds in case the big one comes and wipes us out. 
right? Uh, if the dinosaurs got it, maybe, you know, maybe an asteroid will come get us too. And so they're thinking, well, we've got to, we've got to repopulate uh, the whole earth with all of these seeds. I'm not sure who's going to be around to plant the seeds, but I don't, they've probably figured that out, right? And uh, they've got all of these seeds hidden in this underground bunker in Norway. The number one problem that they have with these, se with these seeds is trying to keep them from growing. Seeds inherently want to grow. The potential of seeds is that they want to sprout. They want to go on. They want to be more than what they are at the moment. They, they want to go into the ground, as Jesus says, and die and sprout up. Where you have an acorn going to the ground and, and it sprouts up and becomes a, a mighty oak tree. We had a, a, a backyard in Virginia that was full of oaks. And it would sound like a, a hailstorm uh, every, every acorn season. And my wife would literally go out there and rake acorns, bags and bags and bags of acorns. And when you would mow all the time, you're not just mowing grass. You were mowing little, a, little uh, oak saplings. They would just pop up because the acorns, they want to be an oak tree. And the thing about seeds is that the potential exists in them whether you plant them or not. So even in Norway, those things are sitting in bins and they're trying to keep them from, like, hold on, it's not time yet. You haven't been planted, but seeds have potential. And the thing about a seed too is that it has so much more potential than what you see, right? This right here, if you were to look at it, you're like, there's so little potential in this little seed, but then you plant it and then you water it and then you watch it grow, and it becomes a, a great apple tree, and you get to go out there and pick apples off of it, and it produces hundreds of apples. So the, the potential in a seed is so far bigger than what the seed resembles. And in, the thing about seeds also is that some lay dormant while others flourish and grow. It always takes the right climate. When I became a senior pastor, I looked at this parable completely differently than I ever have before. I read that parable and I realized my responsibility as a pastor is to create good soil. My responsibility as a pastor is to do everything that I can within the systems and the structure and the culture and the atmosphere of the church is to create a good culture and a good soil for people to receive the word of God for people to receive the, the truths of God, for people to receive the challenges of God. But seeds don't just have potential, seeds also have a process. Because you can throw a seed out there and do nothing with it. How many times we've done this? I can't tell you how many times I have planted a fig tree and not gotten any figs because I only follow one step of the process, which is I'm gonna plant a fig tree. I've gotta actually do other stuff besides that. When I was young, uh, just like, what do they call it? Knee high to grasshopper. Who's got the bingo card? That's a Jeremyism, right? So <laughs> my great grandpa, Will, his name was Will Peters. His, his name was not William Peters. His name was not Bill. His name was Will. He also had no middle name. It was literally Will Peters. And he flew, uh, he was a ball turret gunner for B-24s in World War II. But I remember as a kid, I would go over to, I called him Papa Peters. He was my great-grandpa. 
and I would sit on his tractor and we would ride around and we had apple trees and we would pick apples and we would go into the garden. And this was the hat that he always wore. And in fact, it still has his sweat stains inside of it. And he, this is how you know he's a ball turret gunner. He was a small guy. I cannot get this hat on. I mean, this is, that's about all I can do right there. <laughs> that's about all I can do. But we would go out there, and anytime I was visiting, there were times in the season where I was going out there and I was planting beans. I was planting the seeds of beans. And then there were other times we were going out there and we were trellising things. We were trellising the, the climbers. We were, we were trellising the tomatoes. We were trellising the beans. There were other times we were going out there and we were weeding and, and we were picking things. There were other times we were going out there and we were watering. And there were other times we were going out there and we were reaping. And that's the process of seeds because when God plants something in you or you plant something in life, there's a process to it. It doesn't just happen overnight. You're not going to go out there and take this peach pit and throw it in the ground and cover it up and water it and microwave it and go out there and have an Instagram peach tree. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. It takes time. It takes it takes Michael Jordan millions of missed shots to hit the last shot at the buzzer. All you see is the last shot at the buzzer. You don't see the process that he put into it. You don't see the hard work that he put into it. You don't see the countless hours in the gym, the countless hours of, of weightlifting, the countless hours of, of muscle memory where he is putting the ball into the hoop. So the process of seeds looks like this. You have to plant. And you have to plant today what you want later. You, it is too late when your children have run amok to plant into them disciplines and godly values. You should have planted that earlier in their life. Now, can God redeem all that? Absolutely. But a lot of times we realize that our marriage is on the rocks and we're like, oh gosh, I need to start planting into my marriage. I need to start sowing into my marriage when it might be too late. You have to begin now when you don't realize it. You have to begin now when you don't see it. You have to see it in your mind's eye before you get there because you need to go find the seed that you need to plant in your life. So for our marriage, Jennifer and I, we, we, uh, what, what was the hours that we're supposed to talk every week? You're supposed to talk 90 minutes a week to have a healthy relationship. We added it up and we're like, wow, we are doing really good. Because we walk an hour every day, and that's what we do, is we talk for an hour every day. And that's a sowing. It's sowing into the relationship. And what I, I know about planting is when my Papa Peters would go out there, and he would take the bean, and he would put it in, he would focus on the seed. He wouldn't focus on the fruit. So... If you're thinking, I want a good marriage, you can't focus on the fruit of the good marriage. You've got to focus on what is the seed that I need to put into the ground to have a good marriage. If I want to have discipline and godliness in my children, what is the seed I need to sow? If I want to have a faith and I want to have a peace that surpasses all understanding and I want to have an intimacy with God, what is the sowing I need to do today on a repeated basis every day to get me the results that I want in the future. You've got to focus on the seed. You can't focus on the fruit. And it has to have a healthy environment. That's why I think that you see some churches that they, they flourish and some churches they don't. Like you look at the culture and people are fighting each other and they're 
backstabbing and they're, we don't have any of that. Thank God. Uh, thank you, Jesus. But for the grace of God, because we have a great culture here where, where people love each other and actually exercise their fruits of the spirit. And they're, they're actually, love is their foundation and joy is their attitude and kindness is their response. And that's how we should go about life because the soil matters. The culture matters. It has to have a healthy environment. But you don't just plant, you also water, right? You got to go out there and water every once in a while. This is probably my arch nemesis because I'm like, I don't want to drag the water hose out there. But you got to water. You look at what, what Paul said. Paul understood this. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He said, I, Apollo, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, right? God gave the growth. Because in watering, the seed goes through different stages. But then there comes a point in the seed's life where now it's a plant. It's not what it used to be, but it's not what it can be, right? It's in that really awkward in-between stage. It's kind of like a, a teenager, right? You've got the, like a floppy tomato plant, and it's not really quite sure what it is yet. It's not producing tomatoes yet, but it's certainly not a tomato seed. And you got to do the thing that we all hate in our life, but you know that the tomato needs it, is you got to go out there and you got to start pruning. And you got to start taking off the buds that aren't supposed to be there. And you got to start, you got to start nipping at things and, and cutting things away so the tomato can be as healthy as it can be. You have to predetermine in your life that you're going to submit to God's ways when it comes to pruning. Pruning is painful, y'all. I have so many better ideas than God when it comes to how to get from point A to point C. And it is always bypassing the pruning of part B. I will take the bypass. I will dig. I will tunnel underground. I will, get, I will, I will build a bridge to get over that part because I hate the pruning process. Pruning is painful. Printing hurts, but it's the process that God takes you through to make you healthy. And then there's now after the pruning, there's the part of that we all love too is waiting. You got to wait. You got to sit there and watch this thing grow. And you have to go out there day after day and you have to tend to it. Make sure the stupid hornworms aren't on the, on the tomato. Those things look like demons, right? You ever grown a tomato plant? You walk out there like, what's going on? These big, like, monster hornworms are on there. So seed, seeds require time to reach their potential. And as long as you focus on the process, you'll get the fruit. Well, you know, love them or hate them, probably the greatest college football coach of all time is Nick Saban. And every year he does the same thing with his players. He focuses on the process. He says, we have a process here. We have a system. We have a process. We don't worry about the results. The results will take care of themselves. We focus on the process. And it's the same thing in our life. God wants us to focus on the process. And then we get to the part that we love, reaping. We pray for the harvest, don't we? God, give us the harvest. Amen. We want a harvest. Have you all ever worked on a farm during a harvest? It is hard work. The harvest is not fun and games. The harvest 
is blisters, and the harvest is cracked hands, and the harvest is blood, and the harvest is sweat, and the harvest is tears, and the harvest is long hours. But the harvest will come. You just have to work for it. And what I want us to understand in this whole parable is when you look at the parable of the sower, who is the sower? God is the sower. And I believe that God is sowing into your life today. So this whole process, you know, we've heard what Ralph Waldo Emerson said. He said, sow a thought, reap an action, sow an action, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, and sow a character and reap a destiny, right? Because it's a process. It takes time. It's, it's a little by little. You take those thoughts, and those thoughts, what they do is they become ideas, and those ideas, what they do is they become beliefs, and those beliefs, they become actions, and then those actions, they over time, they produce results. That's why Paul in Philippians, he said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, just, whatever is lovely or commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's why we say no to a lot of things that our kids don't want us to say no to. Can we do this? Probably not a good idea. Why? Is it praiseworthy? Does that glorify God? Does it honor God? Does it edify the spirit inside of you? Does it edify your soul? Does it bring you closer to Jesus? So we look at the potential of seeds. We look at the process of seeds. But last, and I want to focus on this for the next few minutes, is the obstacle of seeds. The obstacle of seeds. Because what we see in this story is the seed Every seed that God threw out on the ground had potential. Every seed had within it the potential to grow, the potential to flourish. It was the obstacle that prevented the seed from doing what it needed to do. And I think in our lives, we have obstacles that are wrestling spiritual powers, spiritual forces that are wrestling against what God wants to do in our lives. I think this morning was a clear example of spiritual warfare. I believe that God wanted to sow something in this morning. And when he came in here, it was like all proverbial hell broke loose on the IT system. The gremlins just got, they were in there. They, they came in in the middle of the night. They unplugged everything. But you have these things in your life. Where, that's why I'm going to wake up. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to set my alarm for 30 minutes ahead of time because I want to get up. I want to sit down. I want to have my coffee. I want to get my mind right. I want, to, I, want to, I want to focus on Scripture. I want to pray. I, I, want to, I want to develop this discipline in my life. That's not just going to happen. You know why? Because there's opposition to growth in your life. Always. Right? You, you sit down, you're like, all right, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes early, and then the, the new season of Ted Lasso drops. And you're like, I got to stay up and binge this, right? So now it's like midnight, and you wake up 30 minutes early. But, or you didn't sleep well the night before. Or the opposition of you trying to get to church every morning. You need to be in the house every Sunday morning. But guess what? Everything's going to happen over the weekend to prevent you from getting here. You're going, to have a, you're going to have a project that you forgot about. You're going to have a test that you forgot to study about. 
the kids are going to throw up in the back seat. Uh, someone's going to get in a fight. Someone's going to lock someone out of the bathroom. Tires going to blow on the way over here. You're going to be exhausted because you had an event over the weekend or whatever the case would be. There's always going to be something that's going to prevent you to try to get here because there's a process, there's potential, but there's always opposition. And how we respond to that opposition, I think, is the key to whether the things God sows in our life flourish or not. Because right off the bat, he says, ears to hear, he who has ears to hear. And the number one opposition to having growth in our lives is we just don't have ears. We don't have spiritual ears in our life. We don't hear what God is doing. We don't, we're not attuned to what God is trying to say to us. We're not attuned to, to being receptive and receiving from him. We're not spiritually minded. We're, we're way too worldly minded for, for God to get in tune with us. And how do you get spiritually minded? You get into this. You read something, a little bit. I'm not asking you to read. I want everybody to read numbers tonight. No, but you can open it up. You can go to Psalms 1 and you can say, you know what? I want to read. I want to read. I'm going to read a psalm a day. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Oh, I didn't even, this was not planned. This is all free. Watch this. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prosper. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. How long did that take me to do? 60 seconds, 90 seconds? Sowing into your life with the word of God. Open up the scripture. Get it into your heart. Get it into your life. That's how, you, that's how you start tuning your ears to what God has to say. Because I believe all, God is always sowing into us, but I don't believe we're always ready to receive from God. I believe he's still speaking today. I believe God speaks through his word. I believe he speaks through the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible word today that's still applicable for us today. I believe God is speaking through capable teachers and preachers. I believe that God is still speaking to us through hardships and suffering. We have lost the theology of suffering in the church. It's a real thing, but when you go through things, God is wanting to do something in you. That God is speaking to us through gentle nudges and whispers in his spirit. But the religious of the day, when they heard this, they were so angry that he wasn't following the formula of their man-made rules that they didn't have the ears to hear. So my question to you is, do you have the ears to hear? what God is speaking to you. Are you hungry enough? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me when you find me and when you search for me with all of your heart. Are we hungry? Pray for it, amen. That hunger... That hunger, yes. We just think it's going to magically happen. No, we, we, have to, we have to partner with God and sit down and go, God, I want, I want that hunger. 
I want to, I know you're sowing. God, help me to have the eyes to see that you're sowing. Number two thing is the enemy will steal from you. He will steal from you. You know how I know he does this? Because many of you, you heard the word, you heard about groups, you listened to it, you're like, you know what? I really need to do that. And you let time talk you out of what God was calling you to do. Time is the enemy's greatest weapon because if he can just get you to just kind of like, oh, maybe that wasn't a big deal. Oh, maybe that wasn't God speaking to me. Oh, maybe that wasn't a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I think that happens so many times is we don't take advantage of the moment. We don't strike when the iron's hot. We, we think about it. We're, we're like, yeah, God, that's, that's a really great thing. I need, to, I need to pray about it. It's like my kids. I'm like, hey, I need you all to clear the table. I'm going to pray about that, Dad. You try that. You try about, see how that goes for you. But I think we do that too. You know, God gives, it, God gives us a command. He asks us to do something. We're like, ugh. I don't know. That sounds too, I'm going to pray about that. I hear this all the time. If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, you love him or hate him, you know, it's like you, you mentioned Dave Ramsey, you either pucker up or duck. I'm not sure which one. People are love him or hate him. But you hear people uh, call in and he was like, listen, you need to sell the $80,000 truck. You need to pay off your debt. You need to go get a second and a third job. And you can hear in their voice, they ain't going to do it. Because sometimes change is hard. The third thing, not only does the enemy steal from us and remove the word of God from us, remove the seed, remove the command, talk ourselves out of it, but he makes your heart hard. Second Timothy 2.25 talks about those whose heart is hard, how they've lost their way, they're no longer sensitive to the Spirit. I was a young kid in Kingsport, Tennessee, went to Higher Ground Baptist Church, and I'd get up there, and I would, I would sing, I would do a, I'd do a special, that's what they call special, and uh, with the track, a little tape, and stick it in there, and see the sound guy hit the play button on the tape. I'll explain what tapes are later to the younger generation. <laughs> And I, I, was, uh, I was an emotional kid even then. I would, I would get sensitive. I would, I would cry easily. Still, still do. And um, I remember I was talking to one of the mamas there. We called everybody mama. Mama Brown, Mama Trigg, Mama, mama Whoever. And I was saying, you know what? I, just, I pray that God would take away the tears. And I thought I had just shot her dog and she got up in my face with that crooked finger right up in my nose and she said don't you ever pray that god takes the tears away i know now many years later what she was saying is don't let your heart get callous 
Don't let your heart get hard. Don't let this place, the beauty of this church, don't let the, don't let the worship become so rote that you come in here and you're like, yeah, I've heard that song before, and yeah, they play it better over at that other church, or oh, they, I like it better on the radio, and I don't really like this version, and, and uh, I wish that piano guy would calm down, and I wish the drummer would play a little, what is he doing? He's flipping his sticks up there. Bless God, flipping his sticks up there. And, and, and you, start, you start to stop focusing on who you're supposed to focus on, and you start focusing on everything else, and your heart starts to get callous, and your heart starts to get hard. And you remember a time in your life when you used to come in, and the song would kick off, and the tears would flow down your eyes, and your hands would go up, and you remembered what you were saved from, and you remember where God brought you from, and you remember the progress that God has done in your life and how he had grace on you and how he loved you and how he saw you and how you, you, you knew that Jesus saw you when he was on the cross and it broke your heart. And then day after day, and you just come in and then you're saying, and, you, and, and, and we get to the point where John the Revelator is writing to the church and he says, listen, you've, you've lost your first love. I used to be your first love. You've lost it. So don't let your heart get hard. You get hard spots in your yard when people start running over them, right? You're like, don't walk on the grass. Don't cut that corner. But you cut that corner over and over, and eventually you run a path, and that path starts to become hard. And that's what happens in our minds as we start thinking a certain way, and then we reinforce it, and then we proof text it, and then, we, and then we have bias towards that thing and confirmation bias and over and over. And then we're like, well, that's got to be true. And your heart starts to get harder because you start running that neural pathway in your mind over and over and over and over. Number four, we give up when trouble comes. We give up when trouble comes. He says hardship and offense. Or tribulation and persecution. The King James Version says, tribulation, persecution, offense. The CSB that I read from didn't say offense, but King James talks about it. It talks about offense. That We're like, well, man, I really love this church or whatever church you decide to go to, and, and you hear the word of God, and, 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 and God is convicting you, and, and you're moving through life progressions, and, and you're growing, and you're, you're not the same today as you were yesterday and and you're continuing to take steps and then and then something happens you get passed over for a job because you love Jesus too much or persecution comes in your life or someone who was a friend of yours now now you've 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 cut off all of those old habits and you used to go to the bar every Friday night and you, and you and you used to to drink to the wee hours in the morning and and you you used to act a certain way and and then you met Jesus and you had a radical change and now those friends are they were only friends because of a common ally and that was alcohol and 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 you're like listen I, I let's can we do can we hang out another way because I I'm, I've I've got a problem in my life there and, and I, I don't want to do that and they're like you know what I, we don't have we don't have to have anything to do with you and you start to lose friendships because of your relationship with Christ and 
persecution comes and hardship comes, and you're like, I don't know if this is really worth it anymore, or, or offense comes. Because in the church, people are people, and there's no perfect people in this place. In fact, if you're perfect and you walked in here, you messed the whole thing up, because we're not perfect. We are jacked up. It's like everybody else. And we're, we're in our imperfect ways. We're trying to get as close to Jesus as possible. But someone didn't say hi to you or someone sat in your seat or someone didn't wish you happy birthday or, or someone forgot to call you or someone, someone uh, put a period at the end of a text. I didn't know that was a big deal. Lord have mercy. Sorry. <laughs> she, she would laugh about that, but there, there was a girl with us. And she goes, why do you put periods at the end of your text? I'm like, because it's grammatically correct. She goes, it makes you seem angry. And I'm like, What? What is happening to this generation? <laughs> Y'all put periods of text. I'm sorry. And I put, call, I put commas and exclamation points and all that. I, got, I, like, I like all punctuation marks. But we, we get offended too easily. And, and we, we, it's funny, we, we cut ourselves so much slack that we're unwilling to cut other people. Right? I know I'm going long, but I think this is important. Yes. Yes. You 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 get it, uh, offended when when people don't act the way that you would act, and in fact it. If you look back in your life, you've accidentally done those things the same way. You're late, traffic. Woke up late, got out the door late. Spilt my coffee. Someone is late. They're lazy. They're irresponsible. Like this, that's what we do. We, we, we give ourselves a break. We don't give other people a break. Number five, last thing is we get consumed by other things. I think this is a thing as a pastor that worries me the most. Because we find ourselves fighting against culture. There's so much materialism. There's so much entertainment. We're the most entertained generation ever. And we're the loneliest generation ever. We get consumed by distractions and the bright, shiny object, and we get distracted by the things that seem more important to us than being in the house of God and being around people that love you and want to hug your neck and root for you. And we get consumed by worry and we get consumed by status and we get consumed by other pursuits and we get consumed by pursuing wealth. Whatever the case may be, 
I just think that if it starts getting in the way of your relationship with God, it's not of God. It might be good, but is it the best? Like, I, I, I would love to be, man, Wyatt, every time we walk outside this morning, he goes, man, it feels like camping weather. And I'm like, yeah, it does. Dew on the ground, the crispness, crispness of the air. It's like, man, I would love to be in a tent, getting out, turning on my burner and making a cup of instant coffee and sitting by the fire. All God's creations, right? But the best thing is to be in the house of the Lord where we can corporately worship together and we can declare His goodness. And wealth, I think it lies to us. God provides wealth for us so that we can enjoy it, so that we can provide for our families, so that we can be generous. But then it tricks us in thinking actually we're the source of all that when it's actually God is the source of wealth. And so all throughout this story, you see these obstacles that the enemy puts into our lives of, I'm going to make their hearts hard, or I'm going to get them so distracted that they, the seed can't take root, or I'm going to make them so worried about the future that they can't flourish and grow, or you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to just steal from them the thought. I'm just going to let time talk them out of what God's calling them to do. And here's what I want to challenge us with today. If we want the fruit of tomorrow, we've got to plant the seed of today. We can't say we want fruit of the seed we are willing, unwilling to plant. And so for this entire series, what we're going to do is we're going to dig deep about, okay, what are the seeds that we need to be planting in our life? Next week, we're going to talk about faith. Because what does God say? He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So would you just stand with me as we pray? And I want to give, always give people an opportunity to receive Christ if you've never accepted Christ in your life and you've never had a moment where you turn from your, your ways into His ways and you would like to pray to receive Christ this morning. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Is your eyes closed so no one's looking around? Thank you. And if there's some seed in your life that you need to be sowing or you've neglected, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of us. Let me just pray for you. Father God, Lord, just there's seed that needs to be sown. There's seed that you have sown that we've neglected. There's seed that needs to be tended, needs to be pruned, it needs to be watered. Maybe there's seed that needs to go in the ground. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the courage and the boldness and the strength to address those areas in our life. And as we go into this next um, worship song, as we kind of solidify the Word of God in our heart through worship, we're going to have uh, a couple of folks down front, Cheryl and Will, to be prayer partners for you. Our goal is never for you to walk out the way that you walk in. We want you to walk out lighter. We want, to walk, want you to walk out refreshed. We want you to walk out 
edified. So if there's something in your life you need prayer for, they're going to be down front. I just ask you just walk down front, shake their hand, hug their neck, and just share with them what's going on in your life. They'd like to join you in prayer. So let's continue in worship this morning. Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to aleniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information, you can ask about more information about the church, and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alenia Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alenia Church. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.